Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle have won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. As you know, I am away this weekend for my draft again, Supercoach Draft, so I will be away uh, from Friday all the way until Sunday afternoon. So there will not be any more content coming out on the Rugby League Guru Podcast today, but I thought that I would drop this entire interview. I sat down with Dylan the other day on the Life, Love and Money Podcast. I know a few of you have already listened to it or listened to parts of it. The entire thing is here. If you are going to listen to this entire thing, please go over to his podcast, Life, Love and Money. Uh, He's had you know, so many fantastic interviews that I've gone back and listened to over the last week or so that have been fantastic. I think with a guy like Dylan, he's obviously been very, very successful. You can do your own research on his life and his career and what he's achieved. But a super successful guy who, um, like I've done a lot of sort of podcasts and stuff like this before, but I think the difference was that Dylan knew exactly when to poke me, exactly when to ask me the right questions and stuff. So I feel like you got a lot more content out of this. At the back end of it, there is a footy chat that we put up on the podcast earlier throughout the week. Uh, but there is, you know, a heap of content here about social media, about me behind the scenes, all that sort of stuff that I think you guys uh, will really, really enjoy. I've had a, an unbelievable amount of po- positive feedback from this podcast. So not uh, not complete footy related here, obviously. A bit more about me and Guru and stuff. So if that interests you, I think you'll really, really enjoy this podcast. About an hour and a half or so. Uh, and make sure you go check out Dylan's podcast, please. Uh, life, love, and money. A champion fellow, big Bulldogs fan, big Supercoach player as well, finished in the top 1,000 last year, a big fan of beers and break even. So a champion guy that I was uh, honoured to be able to sit next to and, ch- and talk about my story uh, for an hour and a half or so. It was unreal. So enjoy this one, guys, and I will see you all on Monday where we'll be going through Bloke in a Bar and a heap of content, reviewing my draft weekend, a stack to get into, but this will be the last bit of content until Monday. I'm really excited about this one. For anyone who's listening that might not necessarily be the biggest sports fan, don't stop listening now. I'm telling you, there's a really important point to this story. Um, We have Nathan Durkin on, better known as the Rugby League Guru, but the point of this podcast, why I think it's such a great fucking conversation to have with you, man, is it's so universal how someone can take their biggest passion and turn it into a full-time career. Now, go back 10 years before social media, that wasn't really possible. Now we have YouTube, podcasting, TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff. It's really, really possible. So 
There'll be people listening that are, that are sports fans, footy fans, great. But if you're not, don't worry. It's not the footy context. It's you, whatever your passion is, whether it be fucking Lego, whether it be makeup tutorials, whether it be a, a different sport, whatever it is, you can genuinely, with the world we live in today, turn that passion into a full-time career. Now, we're going to go through uh, Nathan's journey about how he was able to do that all the fucking awesome stuff he's built. As I was saying to you off air, I've probably listened to more, more of your shit than any of the previous guests we've had on. Um, so we'll talk some footy at the end for the people that aren't interested. But trust me, this is a really inspiring story. It's awesome to see people fucking going out on their own uh, and making shit happen and creating a life that they're excited about waking up. So, and then that's something I'm so passionate about as well. So thanks for coming on, man. I, I appreciate your time. Ah, oh, thanks for having me. Unreal little setup here. Cool, cool little setup. It's the interim. Everyone's like, "Oh, it's not that bad." But when you see our full studio, you realise, "Fucking, we can do this shit so much better." Um, but we'll jump into it. As as we as you were just saying, I don't know if we recorded this. It started off as the Super Coach Guru in 2018. Now we'll get into that. But essentially, what your whole fucking career's turned into now. Obviously, it's footy, but you're now essentially you're paid to wake up every day and chat whether it be on a podcast, whether it be on your clips, whatever it is. But what I found really interesting about that is when you're in school, you actually had a pretty bad stutter for a while, didn't you? Oh, mate. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> I can't. And, you know, you can still hear it in my voice sometimes, but it, mate, when, when I was at school, it was yeah. awful. Like, uh, as you said, my last name's Durkin, so all my mates just know me as Dirks. Yeah, yeah. I got By the end of year 12, my nickname was Dirks. It was that bad. I, um... And I, I used to, well, I still can, but I, when I, especially when I was younger, I'd, I'd know what I was going to say in a sentence and I'd know which word I was going to stutter on mm. and it would just be head noise. So yeah. for me, uh, the letter S and the letter N was a nightmare. Tough gig when your name's Nathan. <laughs> yeah. Right? So like, and it, it got to the point where like, you know, like when, when you're first day at school, you've got to like introduce yourself. Like I, I would purposely, if I had a new teacher, I'd purposely like make up I had a job to go and do or something to yeah. avoid it because I knew then when I walked in, they'd done the role and there was one person missing and they would say, mm. oh, you're Nathan. Mm-hmm. Sweet. There was once I, I had a new PE teacher once and he goes, hey, Matthew, and I just went, fuck it, sure. <laughs> Let's go with no, it. I ran with Matthew and I just thought, oh, someone will pull him up eventually. I'll just pretend I didn't hear it. So it was, it was that bad. Like I, it, was, it was rattling. Did it, now as someone you seem really outgoing and confident, I don't know if you always liked that back in high school, but did it affect you in, in like making – friends and, and feeling comfortable at school or you kind of found your click mate i've always crew. been like I'm, I'm i've always been able to laugh at myself mm-hmm. so and i find that it's something that like like for me like i have even when i'm doing the show like there's certain things that i say that i say quite a bit that have become like catchphrases and you know like people take the piss out of it and you've just got to laugh with it yeah like, like my big one is uh when i'm because because I, I do so much on young guys coming through in the mm-hmm. nrl he could be anything. <laughs> and like when, when I was first on the bloke in a bar show and everything, so nervous, you just go back to your automatics. Yeah. yeah so anyway, yeah. So, so, so that's sort of got a bit of a following. And at first I was like, fuck, why are they giving me shit about it? Yeah. But you've just got to embrace that side of things that it, you've got to take the piss out of yourself. Especially when you're doing what you're doing and oh, especially 100%. in the world of like footy and footy fans. Yeah. Like if you can't laugh at yourself and have a joke at your own expense, you, you, you're not going to make it. It's just going to fucking like, crumble you. I, I used to say to my mates at school, and I eventually worked that out, that if I just take the piss out of my stutter, mm. it'll be a giggle. So I, I, I'd be talking and I'd say to them, oh, like, here comes a good one. Because yep. I knew it was going to be eight <laughs> seconds of me like I was having a seizure on the spot, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and when you're, it's with anything, if you're, if you're able to laugh at yourself, mm. people can't really take the piss out of you. Mm-hmm. 
And how did you get over that? Like, was it just time? Did you have to do like, time. speech therapy? I, I did or? a bit of speech therapy when I was a kid, but it, I don't know. It just went away. It was, and like I, uh, obviously now I'm a podcaster, so the idea of you know having a speech problem seems crazy. But like before this, I was a teacher, so I was talking up in front of people all day. And I, I don't know. I just I had therapy when I was younger a little bit, and I, I don't know. I think just as I got older, it went away. I still have moments. Yeah. Um. I find it I find it hilarious. Like when I start a sentence and I say I. Sometimes I say it two or three times. I go, ah, oh, and I've noticed that there's a group of blokes in, in my comments that call it <laughs> the machine gun. <laughs> I think it's unreal, hilarious. So it does still ha- happen sometimes, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just sort of grew out of it to some extent, but it's also just, I'm good at covering it too now. To be honest, you seem like your voice is like made for like podcasting though. Yeah, it's I, like a radio voice. It's a unique voice. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've been very lucky on that front. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's just a good example of like if there was anything that was going to stop you from being a podcaster, it's a hectic stutter that stops you mid sentence. Well, on that as well, I want to we'll go back and I want to ask you about what you're doing before. I didn't know that you're a teacher, but I want to ask about that. But you just said that that's one thing that can stop you doing podcasting. If you have a, if you have a speech like impediment or a stutter, if some people might be really nervous to get on camera, that will stop them. What what do you think some of the main reasons that people or the excuses they give themselves as to why they can't start their own channel, whether it be a podcast, YouTube, whatever? Uh, I think the main reason is that people are scared to fail. People are scared of what their mates going to say, and people will surround it with other excuses, timing, money, all that sort of stuff. Personally, I think the vast majority of that is bullshit. I think a lot of it is that people don't want to be judged by others. And I was there at the start. You know, I, I walked in when I was a teacher. I walked into staff rooms and where pe- people in that room were, were taking the piss out of me. Yeah, like I, I, I know that I've got mate. I've had mates that have four years ago went to send someone a text about me and sent it to me. Little things like that, and, and that's fine. That's if you're going to put yourself out there. Unfortunately, we live in a society where that's going to happen. But it's those same people now that are messaging me. Saying, oh, I'm so proud of you. Well done on everything you've done. And like, I, I, that, that's fine. That's the reality of society. But I think people are too scared to fail. Especially in Australia, that's the reality. Like the yep. tall, tall poppy syndrome. Not even dragging people down. Anyone just doing something slightly out, outside the norm gets... 100%. But you know what? I'm sure you probably you would have realised this along the lines. That, that's happened to me at certain times as well. Not the messaging thing, but you know, yeah, people... You know what it is though in my opinion it's it's they it's probably triggering some sort of insecurity in them because deep down they wish they had the courage to to do something similar you know what i mean but they're not so it triggers it with them it's not it's very rarely actually about the person that's doing it yeah and it's a and mate like i've been in that position myself where i've been talking to a mate about someone else then i've pulled myself up and gone why 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 do that like i i've got a mate who um who he he puts up on his TikTok and everything where he'll write songs and he'll sing them, you know? And I've been in rooms where people have gone, oh, have you seen what, what's his name's doing? I'm like, fuck, do you know how much courage that takes? Fucking know. Do you know how much courage it takes to stand in front of people, give your opinion, open it up to the internet and let people think that they have open slather come <laughs> at you? Like, it's just, oh, I think it takes so much courage to do stuff mm. like that. And I think that you can tell a lot by a person that is just happy to sit there and bag it, bro. Yeah. I, I've caught myself doing similar things in the past. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that as a fact. I, I was never the person, I'd never comment on, on someone's thing. I would never want to drag someone down. But what it was for me, it's because I've been in business for five years, been quite successful, made, made a lot of money, did a lot of really cool things with that. But then over the, 
after that was the first couple couple of years, I always knew because before I started a business, I was in acting. So like I've always loved media, speaking, that sort of stuff. And I used to see people who had, this is my, this is not the right way to think. This is how I was thinking, achieve less than me, come out and start putting all this content about business and life and all that sort of stuff. And I remember thinking, who, who are they to have an opinion when they haven't done that? But that was just me and my, my own self giving myself excuses and reasons not to start putting out my own content, start the podcast, whatever, do that sort of stuff. Yep. But luckily I never said it because I would have fucking made myself look like a dickhead and I would have felt bad. But I caught myself having those thoughts and I realised, nah, it's not them. It's, it's, it's making me feel something, you know? Yeah, for sure. And mate, as you just said, you look at people, maybe don't have as much business experience as you, like... At the end of the day, mate, I'm a guy that hasn't played a single game of first grade footy, given my opinions and takes on it. So I'm also someone that calls myself the guru. Yeah. So like, and like, there's a story behind that that isn't what people would expect. But I think, as you would, people see me and see me call myself the guru and think, fuck, this bloke must be so full of himself. Blah, blah. Like, it couldn't be further from the truth, but it's how the business has evolved. Mm. And it's become a brand that I absolutely love. That I it just it means the world to me. But I do understand when people sort of come at me, and go, oh, you haven't played footy, yet? and I'll be the first one to say, yeah. And they go, oh, you couldn't tackle these blokes. Fucking oath, I couldn't. Tackle <laughs> yeah, them. couldn't touch them. Not a hope in hell. But I've never tried to push that in any other way mm-hmm. than that. Um, and I think that people, when they do come across me at first, or they find guru, they sort of think, oh, this bloke's full of himself, but. I think the more you listen to my staff, you'll realise that I, I just love the game. Mm-hmm. I'm a, like, if, if there was a first grader in this room, I would not say a word. I would listen to every single thing they say and just take it all in. To, to me, though, like, I don't know if it's because, I don't know. I, I, it's kind of endearing to me. It's like, it's almost a piss take at the same time. It's not, even yep. though, and we'll get into this, you speak to a lot of people that know rugby league, a lot of other content creators, they will, a lot of them will say, that the guru who who is one of the most knowledgeable people in football it's you the amount of time you spend watching games studying the you know the 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 up and coming the systems the rookies all that sort of stuff which we'll get into but you genuinely do are kind of the rugby league guru but what was that name that the the the, the, how did it start that it wasn't what was the story behind that honest story mate i i love my super coach Mm -hmm. so i have my my 15 mates that we have a draft competition we play in so you all pick a team, you stick with that team for the year. Our draft weekend's actually next Saturday, and it's my <laughs> favourite weekend of the year by far and away. Uh, so I do that with my close 15 mates, and as we get older and kids and everything, like it's what keeps us all close. Uh, and 2018, I it was about six weeks before we had draft weekend. Um, sorry, I'll, I'll take it back a few months before that. We did an NFL draft. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan outside of that. No idea about anyone else. No idea. So we were doing an NFL draft and I, th- and I went in it and I thought, oh, I'm very competitive. I want to win whatever I'm in. So I thought, I've got to find a way to be relevant in this draft comp. So I went on Twitter. I, I would search through all social medias to find a guy or like a content creator that could help me. Came across the fantasy guru. Mm. And I did not make a single decision the entire season. I just followed everything this guy said. Didn't win it. Came like second or something, but should have come dead last with my knowledge. And then I just sort of thought, oh, like, I just, there might be other people doing this for Supercoach or, for, or NRL, but I just, I'm a big footy fan and I haven't come across them. So I started it and then I sort of, I honestly, like, I started um, Supercoach Guru and I was trying to lure 
other boys from our comp into asking questions because none of them knew it was me. It was all behind. It was all none of them knew it was me. Uh, and I eventually had one of the boys lure it in, and he'd asked a few questions, said a few things. So <laughs> I was waiting to spring it on everyone at uh, draft weekend because they, they were all starting to talk a little bit. Oh, have you seen this mm-hmm. guru? Blah blah blah. Not knowing it was me anyway. The day before draft got blind, and I, I ruined the whole surprise and everything. But that was. But then I had a I had a mate who. Um, I won't say his name or anything. He's the most humble guy in the world, but he runs a huge business around the corner from here. I remember he he pulled me aside and he said, after about three months, I had about a thousand followers. He said, oh, if you keep going with this, you'll be doing this full time in four years. And I just went, what are you talking about? How could I possibly be talking about super coach for a full time Mm -hmm. job? And he goes, I'm telling you, just keep going with social media. It'll happen. I was doing it full time in three years. Uh, and like without him and I still every probably three months I go and sit down with him and like he, he rips me a new asshole every time I sit down he goes you're doing this wrong this wrong this wrong this wrong you need to be doing this but it's all like, he, he, without him I, I definitely don't think I'd be where I am without a doubt what do you think it gave to you that you might not already had like that belief that it could become a full-time thing so did you think when you first started the channel that well, the page, I only started as a page, that it would become this, what it is now, no all these podcasts, bloke studios, all that? No, no way. Like, I wouldn't have ever even considered... I'll tell you a story. When I, when I started my podcast, it was in 2020, I was driving to work, to school, I was a teacher at the end of 2019, and I was listening to Colin Cowherd from over in America. He does, like, sports podcasts and everything. And I and what he does, he puts out his show on YouTube. Then he cuts up, I think, five, five, five minute clips, and he puts them on Facebook every day. So what I was doing is I was going before I got in the car, I'd get those five clips and I'd pick the three that were most relevant to me, and I'd, and I'd listen to them in the car for fifteen minutes. Just have my phone sitting there playing the Facebook. Anyway, my, my, my mate got in the car once and he saw me doing. It and he's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Oh, I like this guy. He's really good." And he goes, "You know, you can listen to the whole podcast, right?" And I swear to God, I said, "What's a podcast?" That Is was it in 2019? September 2019. Wow. And then 2020, I started my podcast and now it's become my full-time. It was my full-time job within nine months. And I, I didn't know what they were. Wow. I had no idea. Just crazy. So take me back. To you, you were teaching full-time, obviously. When did you start the page? So you started the podcast end of 2019, early 2020. Yeah. The so page was 2018, you said? Yes. It was, uh, it was November 2018. Mm-hmm. So I started that. Did it for a few weeks leading up to our, our draft weekend that time. Um, and then I I got about halfway through the season. And, like, I, I it's weird when I look back on it. In about eight months, I had about 15,000 followers. Which, when you're doing – like, I wasn't doing any NRL. I was just doing super coach. So I just, I just tapped into something that grew very quickly. Mm. Like, to get 15K about just talking super coach and nothing else, it was, it was pretty wild. And I sort of – I started to occasionally post more stuff just about NRL that was kind of linked to Supercoach, but not really. And, you know, I'd get five or six comments, stay in your lane, oh, yeah. which was fair. I, I was, you know, the um, Supercoach guru. Once again, it's bold enough to call yourself the guru, to call yourself the Supercoach guru and then start telling people about just normal NRL. Uh, and then my same mate rang me and goes, you got to change it. you got to just change it to NRL or rugby league. And I sort of went, oh, I don't know if there's enough in it, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, you're an idiot if you don't do it. So then made that decision to go from there and then it just exploded after that. Now talk, talk to me about being a teacher versus being a full-time rugby league content creator. How, how did you enjoy teaching? Did you like it? Did you hate it? A lot of people 
fucking hate their full-time job. Where, where was your headspace when you made it, like when you first started? Uh, so when, when I like first started teaching, I absolutely loved it. I worked, uh, when I was at uni, I worked at like a before and after school care. Um, and I absolutely loved that. I, I was with mates. It was, it was unreal. I'm getting married in eight weeks. The two blokes standing next to me, I met at this aftercare through teaching and everything. Still my best mates today. Um, absolutely loved it. I always, I'd always end up with the boys that no one else could handle because mm. they played footy. I was relatable to them. We could talk, you know, just, and I absolutely loved helping kids that needed help. And then I went into teaching and it, teaching's hard. Like you go into teaching because you've got a passion to help kids out and do what you can, but then you end up spending 85% of your time doing paperwork mm. that someone at a, at a desk thinks is helping that kid. In my opinion, the vast majority of the time it's not. Uh, and what I was really good at was building relationships with kids through their interests. Um, and I'd like, and I, I knew every school I was at, there was teachers there that absolutely hated me because my paperwork was awful, my organisation was awful, but there were kids there that would throw a chair at them and they'd come and sit next to me talk and tell me about their family and I'd be able to get the very best out of them and that's where I think with teaching it's it's hard like I, I was I was talking to a teacher that I, I used to work with this morning I was just saying to her like looking back on what I do for work now looking back at what I was doing when I was teaching they are the most undervalued and underpaid people mm-hmm. it's just insane like I don't like the amount of work you have to do as a teacher and everyone sort of says oh you know you get the holidays the holidays are more stressful than the normal time. It's just you're doing so much all the time and I find it so bizarre that there is no one in any industry who didn't need a good teacher when they were growing up to become who they become and these teachers are so underpaid. It's wild. And if you pay teachers more, it's going to attract smarter people to become what want to become teachers so then the flow-on effect for the rest of society is going to be... Even better. Mate, pe- people don't talk about it enough, the amount of young teachers that last three years and just go, I would rather do anything else than this. You know, I've got a few friends that have done that and they all burn out so quick. So quickly, yeah. And, you know, not for every teacher, but mate, the amount of teachers that are 40 and 50 that have been teaching for 25, 30 years that have got so much experience to share with you, they're so miserable. that They don't want anything to do with you. Mm. It's, it's a brutal cycle. Mm. It is tough and it's it's the next generation that's losing out at the end Mm -hmm. of the day and now big change teaching government job very stable once you're in if you have a full-time contract you're pretty secure compared as a male i was safe as houses yeah there's not many males in teaching they're very hard to get your paws on when you've got them you don't let them go so i was as safe as i possibly were you teaching were you to pe or i was just uh, i I was a primary school teacher um so i was I was just, I was always teaching year, year five, year six. Mm-hmm. I'd always end up with this class of absolute misfits. <laughs> we're just all over the place, but I loved it. Yeah. They were, they're the kids that genuinely needed help. Yeah. So my, you know, I would teach my classes incorporating playing footy into the, in the mm-hmm. playground, into it. And the other teachers just look at me and go, you're not meant to do that. That's not how it's meant to work. And I'm like, you've got to relate to these kids. You've got to form a partnership with. Like, I, like I, I'm sure you guys were the same when I was at school. Like, I couldn't sit down for more than 40 minutes. I still can't. Mm. And I just, I found teaching is so, it's so structured and it's, a lot of the time it's a one size fits all. But that's not reality. So far from the reality of the situation. And um, 
just for teaching too, as, as with a lot of industries, but the politics is just mm. so much. I, we've spoken about this before with, with some guests, like this is obviously not an education podcast, so I don't understand all of that. Obviously, I think we can all agree there needs to be wholesale changes and they need to catch up with the times. They need to be less one size fits all for sure. But I want to ask you that transition. Now, you're going from that, as you said, very secure job to I'm going to have to fucking make money for myself as a content creator. Talk to me about the planning phase. Talk, the first, did you have a chat with your missus? Were you with your partner then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does um, that chat go when you think? Oh, well, mate, I, I, like I, I will stand by this till I'm in a grave. I am so lucky that I've got her. I, I pretty much went to her and said, you know, we're planning to buy a house, wanted to have a family, wanted to get married soon. And I pretty much went to her and said, I'm going to leave my really stable... I'm thinking about leaving my really stable job to take a punt on becoming a paid expert on something I've never done. And she went, fuck it, go for it. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. We'll make it work. And without that... That's so good. Oh, mate, it's the best thing in the world. It's And it's, you know, and it's little things like... Last Saturday, like <laughs> two Saturdays ago, she's like, it was... Um, it was like an anniversary or something and she's like oh do you want to go out for dinner on saturday night and i just say sorry the dolphins are playing the capras in Mackay, and i've got to watch it on my phone mm-hmm. and she just goes yep no fair enough Fuck. like very very lucky on that front very lucky she's a mad south sydney rabbitohs fan all of her family is so i've got to be very careful what i say about the bunnies because i get eaten alive and kicked <laughs> out of the house and they're big um her old man she, he's big into like the juju on game day. So he has to wear a certain pair of socks, certain pair of undies. The year they lost the grand final to Penrith, 2021, um, I'd come to two games in a row with them to watch at their house and they'd lost them. The week after I couldn't make it, they won. They went on a streak after that. I, I wasn't allowed to go in the house when South Sydney run those games on. So they all get together and watch it. I was sitting at home just watching the game on my own. So they're like proper yeah. rugby league. I'm not sure if you've noticed around, like, around uh, the South Sydney era, some streets there's like rabbitos painted on the ground so that was my my missus yeah dad uh so the rabbitos call him um the phantom so every, every week every time they're in a grand final he'll drive around the middle of the night with liters and liters of paint <laughs> and a giant stencil and paint, paint rabbitos i have seen him Sydney. i have seen yeah, him. it's unreal it's great the passion that you get out of fucking sport particularly oh. rugby league man it's crazy and, he, and even like it's so underappreciated i feel like this podcast called Life, Money and Love. I don't really spend that much time talking about the relationship side in love, but finding people that understand you and love you for what makes you unique, not in spite of it, yep. that's fucking pure gold, man. Like I work a lot. I work a lot. I've got a lot of different projects, this, multiple businesses. And then when I want to relax, like my escape, which not a lot of people know about me, I've realized because I don't talk about online, is sport. Yep. And to be with my, like my partner, Mel, and she is so fine with that and she accepts that and she doesn't like because man i was single for a long time before i got in this this relationship and fuck you just hear the stories of like boys you can't watch the footy you can't hang i'm like oh i don't think i could i don't think i could survive having someone that understands you and gives you the space you need to be you and do you is so fucking incredibly important and i probably don't speak about that enough on this podcast so i just wanted to call that out again because it's so sick now that conversation you had thinking about it she's like fuck yeah nathan go for it how long is the from that conversation to you go in, you tell the school that, hey, I'm going to leave. Uh, she said, fuck it, let's go for it. I picked up the phone and I rang and I said, hey, uh, I'm not coming back. It was actually really nice. The lady that I was working for at that time, the principal, she was, she was very good. She was fantastic. 
uh, I'd sort of fallen out of love with teaching and I was trying to make guru work and I wasn't sure if it was going to do. So I went to a new school and I was doing a bit of PE teaching there. So it was a bit more relaxed. Um, and I remember I rang her and uh, I said, hey, look, I'm not coming back next year. I'm going to go all in. And she went, oh, I've been waiting for this day to come. So I'm happy for you. Go for it. And like that, that meant a lot to me. Yeah. That the, like I was so nervous to say out loud, I'm going to go all in on this. And the two people I said it to both just went, yeah, I'll back you which you never expect to happen. Never expect to happen. And then there was other people, there was family members that when I said I'm leaving, leaving teaching, they almost fell off their chair because it's just not the norm. Yeah. It's not the norm. Um, and then, you, uh, you know, I, I, I get them all, like people say to me all the time, oh, it's so good what you've done. It's so fantastic. And their kids are 18 and their kids want to do something a little bit outside the box. And they go, no, 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 just, just go to uni. Have to do. And I'm like, hold on, you, you can't compliment it when it's done mm-hmm. and not want to back someone in at the start when they need it and I think that I'm sure we'll talk about it I just think social media is still the most underappreciated asset the most underutilised asset imaginable yeah we had it we had a the guest we had on last week she's done a lot of things she's started a really cool business which we spent a a lot of time speaking about but she's also like a a model and actress and a YouTuber right she's young I think she's like 23 or something like that so she's very much in the YouTube generation like it should have been known. Like she was saying, she was making videos in high school and, the, and, and her teachers were playing it in front of the students almost like as like to embarrass her in a way, like calling her out, like, yeah. what are you doing? I think that's such a wrong way to look at it. Like it's so ridiculous. One of my biggest inspirations to get into all this sort of stuff was Gary Vee. I don't know if you know Gary. Yeah. Obviously, well, being in social media, I'm sure if I can do. Yeah. It's like you can make your full, like you can create the life you want now because of social media. It's right there for you. You just need to do it and back yourself. Now, You've, so you, I imagine if you did that, it was end of the year, so it was over Christmas and stuff that you kind of had that transition period. You start thinking about it. You've had the podcast for, you said, eight, nine months by this point? Yeah, but, and I, I actually, the other thing that happened was that I, I had a deal that, I, that was coming through that was going to be decent money, not, not mind-blowing money, mm-hmm. but enough for me to be able to go all in for the first six months and see how I went. So I made that call to the school and I went, I'm not coming back. She went, good as gold, best of luck. Week later, that deal fell through. Like we, we've all been there with business; mm-hmm. it happens, and it and it was. But I'm I'm actually, and I remember at the time, like I almost burst into tears. I just went, "Oh my god, what am I doing? How am I going to tell my missus?" Blah blah blah. And I remember, like, I said to her, I, t- I told her eventually, and she was like, she just sort of went, "Okay, well, we've got to get to work." Mm-hmm. And um, I, now looking back on it, I'm glad that it happened made me work my ass off even harder at the start and it's funny what happens when you when you take the handbrake off and it's you and only you that has to provide what you can achieve and what you can do in a short amount of time when you've got the handbrake off i've still got teaching it's okay you're not going to go all in it's like like I, I always think about that that scene in that uh batman movie when wayne's trying to get out of that um well or thing that he's in in the jail and he takes the rope off and then he jumps same thing you take away that safety harness and that's why i look there's i've got cousins i've got a brother i've got so many of these guys that are 18 19 that are going to uni because their parents think they should they want to do something else but they've got to go to uni so they've got something to fall back on i think a lot of the time it's not something to fall back on it's something holding you back well, I had I I uh, I was actually quite good in school. I, I got into a law degree. I was doing that. Only took me a few weeks to realize, holy shit, everything I thought I wanted to do for the last three years is bullshit. I hate it. Um, and I went from I was like always top or second in my class for like 
the last few years of school and then I dropped out of uni uh, to do acting, which I never did drama in school. I was just like, fuck it. What's the most fun thing I can do? What's a life that I'd enjoy doing? Because I've realized if I stay, put myself through this corporate life, this law, I'm going to be depressed. And I don't care what, what, what happens. If I wake up and feel like that every day, I've already lost. So I didn't see it as a risk, but you could imagine my family. Oh, I can see their faces. My, my, yep. my, my, uh, my year advisor from school, who I'm still really close to, I caught up with him a few weeks ago, was like, everyone was like, what are you fucking doing? Like respectfully, you like you almost like you can't do this, and I just told them, "Look, you got to trust me. There's no way." You know, my favorite thing to do was tell people what I was doing, walk out of the room, then stand in the hallway and listen to the next conversation. What they say always negative, mm. always negative. So interesting. That's human nature, hey. Yeah. But all right, so you've lost that deal, which was going to be because I wanted to ask, do you just quit and then you're like, "I'll fucking make it happen," or because this is a really, I think, a valuable part for people who are maybe have something that they've already kind of started, but they're looking for that point that, hey, when do I go all in? When do I go full time? Obviously, that's what, that's what I would try and do logically, try and build up enough of a buffer or I know I'm bringing in at least X amount per week, per month that, hey, I'm not going to be balling by any sense, but I'm going to at least be able to pay my bills, my base amount that I need to earn to live. Yeah. Then I can grind to build it up from there. So you kind of had a plan for that when to, you lost that deal. What do you do now as a content creator, as a podcaster? What, what do you identify as the channels that you can start pulling to bring in some sort of revenue just to keep you afloat? Yeah, and that was, for me, that was just, okay, got to work harder. There's a reason why they pulled out on that because you weren't an absolute done deal. There was obviously some sort of reservations there or someone out there was doing a better job. So that to me was just head down, mm-hmm. head up, ass down, no, the other way around, whatever that saying is. It was just go harder, make the absolute best of this time, as I said, like I'm, I honestly think if I if I would have done what I did five years earlier, I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have been mature enough to make it work. And I also don't think um, social media was probably at a spot that I could have done what I did. If I would have been five years later, I would have been into marriage, kids, and I wouldn't have been able to do mm. it. So I just think I, I've I've worked my ass off to get to where I am, but I have been very lucky with timing on a number of things. Um, and yeah, I, I just think though that people will give you a thousand excuses why they can't. You just got to go all in and see what happens. Mm. And I, as I said at the start, I, like I'm, I'm not afraid to fail. I'm not afraid to make a dick of myself. I'm not afraid to fall on my face. It's it's going to happen in life. I'd be like I'd, I I would and if you would have said two years before I quit teaching, if you would have said to me, "You can do this for your rest of your life," if I was being honest, I would have said I don't want to. But yes, I will because this is what people do. You just make it work. You just stick in it. This is what I'm doing. This is what I do. Which now I look back and just think, you muppet. Why on earth would you just settle? Because that's what everyone else does. That's exactly the message that I'm so passionate about, man. Like, I... You used to see people living these out these dream lives, right? Whether When I was acting, whether it be someone like winning fucking Academy Awards, whether when it was business all these people starting successful businesses. If you're into content creation, you see all these people, like you, you would be someone that someone just starting or someone wanting to start be like, fuck, that guy's got it made. That people start seeing these people living the lives that they, that they aspire to live as like, they've won some imaginary lottery that they weren't invited to attend. Like, like people have this doubt that their dreams can ever come true. And when I say dreams, it doesn't have to be hundred million dollars it can be working for yourself it can be start like you know dating that person starting that channel whatever it is but for some reason people have this this 
this blockage from actually believing that they themselves can live a life that they actually really enjoy. That's why I like having people on from all walks of life, business, sports, actors, artists, comedians, to show people so many different examples that no, we're not special. We just decided to do it. We had luckily enough self-belief or enough support around us to encourage us along the path when it got hard. Put in the fucking work and, and it can happen. Yeah. And I think a big thing is, and I think in society today, especially on social media, no matter what you're doing, like for, for example, when I was a teacher, if I wasn't doing well at teaching, my family and my friends would have no idea. If I'm not doing well on social media, it's there. Eight views, mm-hmm. seven likes. The numbers are there to be seen. And I think that it, I, I see it every day. It rattles. I see people I see people that are content creators that upload stuff and it doesn't do well in the first hour and they delete it. And you're just like, why? You, you believed in it when you put it out. Like, it's going to hit some people just because it's not going for your thousands and thousands of views or whatever it might be. Don't, don't stop doing what you're doing. And that's where I, you know, like... Mate, some, some, some of the stuff I've tried on my podcast that has just flopped unbelievably, but I'm just a big believer in throw shit at the wall, see what sticks, mm. if it works, run with that. If it doesn't, move on to the next thing. It come- like, mm. I, I'll give you an example. I, during COVID, I thought, oh, what can I do that's a little bit different? I started opening um, footy cards live on Instagram every day at like three o'clock or whatever. And the first time I did it, got absolutely punished in the comments. What the hell is this? No one wants to watch this, blah, 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 blah. By the end of it, two months later, I was opening packs of cards and I, and I was giving all the cards away at the end of the week. I, I just give the whole box to someone. And mate, I, I, had, I had 800 people sending me messages to see if they could have the box of cards. Like, and, and that's such a small thing. And it led to, I do it on my podcast still. I open a pack of footy cards on the podcast. People can't even see them. You can hear me opening the packet and I, and I get out a player and, and I just talk about what I remember about that player. Mm. It's some of my best content. I couldn't think of anything worse than listening to that personally. But it was something that I, I didn't know if it would work. I threw it at the wall. It worked. People enjoy it. And now it's like a regular part of what I do. And it's so simple. And, it, and at the start, all I got was negativity off the back of it. But I just thought, let's see what happens. I find that so weird. I, I, I really try and understand that. And I don't want to say that in a, in a judgmental way, like looking down at anyone. But why people's first reaction is to, even if you don't love it, just keep it to yourself. You don't need to like uh, try and bring people down. You know what I mean? It's one of life's great mysteries for me. Why? Like I just, like if I'm sitting at home and I see something on TV that I don't like, do you scream abuse at the TV <laughs> or do you change the channel? Mm-hmm. Like I just, but on social media, you see something you don't like. Like the, the, the way that people get so personal and spray individuals and everything. But, you know, and, and in rugby league, it's bad. You know, like if I... You, I, I can get so many comments of people, all this negativity, and it, it doesn't really affect me anymore. I don't. It is what it is. Not everyone's going to like it. That's fine. But the negativity that gets gets thrown around, and then you know we have a tragedy in rugby league, and it, it's all about mental health for that week. Yeah, everyone's on board, and then the week later, everyone's back to just giving shit, laying crap into each other. It's just I, I don't. <laughs> I find it so hard. To understand, and maybe it is because, and like, there's obviously like a lot of guys that are probably doing it are a lot younger, less mature, all that sort of stuff. And I don't know, maybe I was one of those guys when I was younger too. I quite possibly might have been. I don't remember, but I, I find that mindset so bizarre of people needing to put others down. 
yeah. scroll. There's a million other things on your phone. Keep going. I, I think this, this might have came up briefly in one of our earlier podcasts, but it was like the Paul Green tragedy happened. Extremely sad. And then the next week after everyone's about checking on your mates, be kind, you don't know what people are going through. I can't remember who it was. Some winger has a shocker. Everyone's like, mate, you're so shit. Neck, he said all this stuff. I'm like, guys, do you not realize what happened the week before? What happens if this guy was feeling down, fragile? Because like, like we, we all said, we all agree, we don't know what people are going through. Mate, I, I always say, and I, like, I hope it doesn't happen, but I, I think it's a matter of time until we have a tragedy with a ref. Because, mate, the amount of stuff they cop in rugby league is unbelievable. It is, I, I, and, you know, I, I'm probably a little bit biased because I actually taught a referee's daughter. And, like, she, she used to come in on a Monday bawling her eyes out because Dad got abused in the street the day before with his eight-year-old daughter holding his hand, throwing stuff at him. Like, I, I, I find it unbelievable how in rugby league and in media in general, like, the way that they attack referees if they make a mistake, it's like, your team missed 30 tackles and made 15 errors. And you're trying to tell me that your team lost because that guy... Mm. Like, I, I, I think that it's an attitude we really need to change in rugby league. And I've always said, people get upset when I say it, if the referee decides the game for you, you haven't done enough. Simple as that. It's a really good point. Um, and I don't think it's spoken about enough. Because when you said I'm just like, yeah, dude, fuck, like, those poor refs, they're just, that's their job. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a job with not a lot of love. Yeah. You know I, mean? I mean, like they make one mistake, and the NRL will come out and say they made a mistake. They're not they're they're sacked for the next two weeks. It's like, like you've got guys in the NRL who you know like they're, they're making mistakes all the time. Mm-hmm. They're getting paid five times as much as referees, but we don't expect them to be perfect. But we expect referees to be. It's I, it's it's just it's fundamentally stupid. Yeah, uh, it, it's like I understand uh, as a passionate sports fan, like it is very easy for your emotions to get the better of you. And I think if you're if you blow up in the 80th minute, five minutes after the game, but I get it. That's an instant reaction. If you're on Tuesday still <laughs> commenting on social media about the mistake that happened mm-hmm. on Friday, please. Yeah. You you mentioned something else as well um, around that like fear of failure thing yep. about you, you post something gets ten likes, whatever. Now, I feel like with the way that social media is today, particularly like Instagram and and, and TikTok now. Five years ago when Instagram was chronological feed, things were a little bit more predictable. But now, if you're a content creator putting out content for your business, like it doesn't matter if like we could have a video on TikTok, we could have one get 20 likes and then the next one could get 10,000. It doesn't, it's not, it's you just got to keep being consistent, keep trying new things, you know what I mean? It's, It's just part of the process with how business is today, how social media is today. So that thing is, is difficult, that Fear of failure, but it's 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 worse. It's fear of failure publicly. Yeah. So people will know. I, I had to laugh. I, we um, with bloke in a bar. The first four rounds of the season, we're doing like country tours. So mm. we're going to like Wagga Wagga, uh, Armadale, Cairns, and Rockhampton, I believe. So we're calling them the country tours. So two days ago, we went to a farm and we had like a photo shoot. All of us dressed in full farm. <laughs> yeah, and I saw that. And, and there was a moment there where um. I was I was kneeling down and Kempi was next to me. You know, we had straw coming out of our mouths and everything, and the hats and the whole production. The photographer goes, "Oh, Guru, um, grab some straw and hold it." And as soon as he said it, I I, I thought, "Oh, this is going to look so stupid." And this will be the thing that people point out on social media. The thing goes up last night. 
I was in the studio last night, so I didn't look at it. I get home and, mate, I must have had 60 tags of people going, oh, look at this idiot trying to look like a farmer holding straw. And it was, it was so predictable. And even in, in, in my mates' group chats, the, the, the two or three mates that I thought would point it out straight away had 100%. And I, and I knew as soon as that I went, ah, oh, I can already see the domino effect because mm-hmm. it is ridiculous. I knew it was ridiculous when I was doing it. But it's, you become, you start to know what's going to happen with social media and it's so predictable, it's embarrassing. Exactly. But like, you got to realise the people that are commenting that it's almost, hooky, like, it's almost the point. It's a piss take. You know what I mean? It's, it's part of it, but... You mentioned now you, 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 you're kind of past that. You've been in the game for a while. It doesn't bother you. But did it ever bother you at the start? What's your advice to people that are getting a bit of hate and they're not really sure how to process it? Yeah, it definitely bothered me at the start, mate. And I still, like, I, I used to, like, respond to every single negative comment and try and win that little alpha battle with a stranger with user 53421. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what? what and, I, the, and, like, and to be honest, there is still the account. Like, if I'm having a shit day and then someone says something that I know is just utter nonsense, I will quite often find myself coming back at them, but then I just stop and go, what are you doing? I've tried to do the same, but it's particularly on like places like TikTok, it's not, it's not the platform. Yep. Like you could try have- TikTok's tough. I know, dude. <laughs> but you, you, you can try- You want to find some insecurities, chuck yourself on TikTok. As much as you approach it, generally, whether it be TikTok or Instagram, wanting to have a reasonable logic-based- discussion it doesn't matter if 99.99 percent of the time your argument or point is correct you're not going to convince them they're not there to be convinced they're not there to have a discussion they want to say something and point something out at you and i mean you'd have to probably speak to 100 people to convert three or four of them and i mean from like from my industry as well like that's it's great also though because like for example which team do you go for Doggies. doggies. So if I was to say something negative about the doggies, I'll get a lot of responses very negative coming at me. But I also understand that I have nothing if there's not fans of the games. Mm. Fan, short for fanatic, you should be fanatical about your doggies. And if I say something bad about them, you should tell me to fuck off. I mean, recently you'd just be being honest. I think there's a lot honest. of content creators that, don't, that ignore that or don't understand that mm. without these fans short for fanatical they're gonna defend their team i want you to defend your team but just know it's nothing against your team i'm just giving my opinion it's just a take yeah i've never ever or i mean with the doggies i feel like sometimes some of the bigger 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 media houses maybe do have a bias but that's not a me to get upset about um i want to ask you about when it started to build a bit of momentum for you i know there was a moment that uh scope had COVID or something, he couldn't go do the YKTR sports show, so you got the call up. Was that around the same time, a little bit before, a little bit after the momentum really started to build for you? Or Yeah, like momentum had started to build before that, mm-hmm. but that, that was my first time I'd been on screen. That was my first time I had any video content or anything like that. Mate, I was nervous as all hell for that. I, I, was, I was terrified. And we, we went on there, and that was prelim final 2021. So Penrith were playing Melbourne that week. And it was just as Penrith, you were like... Are they the real deal? They're going up against this Melbourne side that's done it for the last 15 years on the trot. They can't go and beat them. And Penrith pulled a huge upset. And, like, I remember me and Isaac sat there and, honestly, we did not have a sentence that included Penrith winning that game. <laughs> and it was and, – and, you know, and I remember sitting there going, oh, my God, I missed the mark by so far then. 
went in the next week and just said, yep, got it completely wrong. It's Penricide's the real deal. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that was quite a daunting experience at first. Um, and then, obviously, uh, once I got the opportunity with Kempi, uh, that just... How did that come about? Did he just message you one day saying, hey? Yeah, he messaged me, do you want to come on uh, and have a crack? So I I came on like one or two shows at the end of the year to do like the review and a bit of a preview. And I think that's sort of where my strength lies when it comes to like this time of year is my favourite time of the year. It's the NRL trials, it's all the younger guys, it's people that all of you shouldn't have heard of, rightly so, but I'll be able to tell you all about them. And and it's, it's good to watch that play out over the season when these guys that I harped on about in pre-season that people didn't know then start to become relevant. Uh, my my favourite one ever was um, Harry Grant. So I said two year, a year before he played his first trial, I said, oh, he's a top 10 hooker in rugby league right now. And I got absolutely pumped for it, absolutely pumped. He'd, he'd only played under-18s in Queensland or whatever, but I just knew that he was going to be that guy. And, you know, within three years, he's the Australian hooker. Did he play any games for Melbourne before he went to Tigers? Like a few? No, he's, his debut was... No, so he, he played one for Melbourne. He came off the bench for like five or so minutes. But like when, when I said that was two years before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was early days. And it's little things like that that, you know, that they start to stack up over time mm-hmm. and people start to realise, okay, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. And it's just about building that trust. And for, you know, so, someone like Kempi to like... It, 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 like it's hard, it's hard for me to talk about, but I like I know that Kempi could have sent a text to any former player he wanted. He chose me, which it, it was great as far as blowing my brand up, but it gave me so much fucking confidence. It's not even funny that a guy that's a former first grader that, in my opinion, is the absolute king of media, went for me. It's pioneer. Oh mate, like he, he he'll tell you that it's Matty Johns, it's Bo Ryan, it's Kempi. In the it's, traditional it's media me- tra- sense, it's yeah. completely different. Oh, mate, it, it's a new world. And, and I I think Kempi knows that, but he's also just the most humble bloke in the world. Mm. Why, why do you think he picked you? Has he told you why? Or not picked no. you, but no. no. What's your thoughts? He told me he's... And he, I, I don't think he ever will tell me. And that's what Kempi's like. Kempi is... He, he, he doesn't say a heap, um, but he'll, like... He'll, he'll let you know if you need to improve something or do something. But no, I, I probably don't think we'll, he'll ever have that conversation and I I don't need it from him. The fact that he has me there, that was that nice. says that that's done enough for my confidence and everything. And now I, I mentioned earlier, and this as well can be related to, to any passion that you, you want to turn into a, a business or a content creation. Now, to become... Like, unless you're, already, if, unless you're an influencer that already has a couple hundred thousand followers, you're an ex-player, you're an expert or whatever, you really need to be really fucking good at what you do in order to, to get cut through, right? Now, the amount of hours you spend watching footy, analysing games, ex- like, you know all the juniors coming up and got more than any of the other ex-players or the fucking Fox Sports now, analysts and stuff like that. Talk to me about, about your process because I don't, I don't want it to seem... Obviously, with having you on and talking about this journey... I want people to see that it's possible, for sure. It's possible that you can make it happen. But if you really want to do it and create something special, there's going to be, fucking like anything else in, in life, hard work involved. There's going to be a lot of work involved. It doesn't have to be bad. Like, you love watching footy. So I'm sure you're not fucking hating it. But is there a process there? Are you, are you taking notes as you watch the games? How does it work? Oh, mate, huge process. There is, um, I've got my laptop open next to me for every single game. Um, I will keep track of at the 20th. 40th, 60th minute mark where the stats are at, 
where certain things are that I like to focus on in games of footy that give me a good indication of where they are. I've got spreadsheets that I kept track of all that throughout the entire season. Um, you said to me as we walked in, I don't know how we got onto it, but something about um, going to games. Like, I, I, I can't go to games mm-hmm. because if I go to a game, I have to travel out there, which probably means I miss the game before. I have to travel back, which means I miss the game after. So that's completely out the window for me. We did a live show at grand final last year which was an unbelievable experience but so we were I, I was 40 meters away from the stadium as soon as we finished that live shot i got an uber home so that i could sit and watch it at home do my notes and then when it was done i could start it again and go through my notes and make sure it was also made it's all it's full on it's it's not like i'm not i'm never watching a game of footy and on facebook i'm never watching a game of footy and having a beer i'm watching that's my job that's what i yeah. do um, and I lo- and it gets hard sometimes. Like last weekend, I watched eleven games of footy in three days. You know, which oh, that's unreal. That's great, but when you're, like, it's exhausting. It is tiring, and it's we, we we do the bloke in a bar show on a Monday, so it's not like I can catch up on those games Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's like normally on on a Sunday night in preparation for that show, I'll be up till one a.m. Do I need to be up till one a.m.? Probably not. I could probably get away with talking off my head every week if I wanted to, but I, I, I want to know that I'm putting out the absolute best product that I possibly can because Kempi's backed me. You've got to respect that. And, and, and I have people come in here and they'll be surprised how much I know about them. Like, same thing. I could just rock up and have a chat with someone for an hour, hour and a half, whatever it may be, but I want to fucking make sure I'm prepared. I'm, I'm asking other people's time. I've got other people here to, to, yep. to film, to edit, to produce. Like, I want to fucking give it my best. So I feel like that's a really important message and so much respect I have for you to, to go to that because, I, I, as I said, sport's my release. I, I love watching my sport. It'll be a Saturday if I'm at home the whole day. I'll watch, like, the first two games. A lot of time by the third game, I'm like, fuck, do I really have another game of footy in me? It's, it's, and I love footy, but it's like, you know. And that's where, mate, like, like I'll, I have a lot of knowledge about the guys that are coming through the under-18s. None of those games are on TV. I'll spend Saturday driving around, having a look. If I know there's certain kids that I want to keep an eye on, I'll go and watch them. I've been lucky the last three or four years. My brother's been in the system, sort of playing at a few clubs at SG Ball and everything, so I've been able to go and watch him play and when he plays certain teams, be able to keep an eye on those guys. But, you know, then there's the Queensland Cup, the New South Wales Cup, which also isn't on TV, but there's a, you know, they might put together like a little mini, which is like a 15-minute clip of their game and, I will watch the vast majority of them every single week. So it's, you know, it's eight games of NRL, but then it's keeping track of the juniors. Then it's keeping track of the New South Wales and Queensland Cup. And you know, people say, oh, I don't know how you do it. It's my job. Yeah, that's It's my job. I've got to do it. That, that's what I provide. So it is what it is. It's the same as when I was a teacher. I could tell you 150 kids' names that are in that school. Same as I can tell you the names of all the players in all the top 30 squads and position they play, which which arm they carry the ball in, which foot they prefer to step off. Have to know all that sort of shit at the end of the day. With with this uh like new there's no there's no set structure. It's like you're you're your own everything. You're your own if, if you don't work, nothing's and then yep. nothing's gonna happen. How and work life balance is this weird term. I don't really like it. It's so different for everyone else, but do you struggle to to balance having a life outside of footy and this or how do you how do you manage that? hundred percent. Yeah, I'm, if you said to me what's my biggest strength, I would say that it's I can go all in on something. If you said what's my biggest weakness is that I go too all in on things. Um, like for, for me, uh, the last three years, because I've gone so all in on Guru, like 
balance has been really tough. Like, like I've put on a stack of weight just because I'm so focused on what I'm doing that other sides of my life have sort of fallen apart. Whereas, you know, when I was 21, I was, um, you know, carrying a few more kilos. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to lose weight. And I went all in on it. Mm-hmm. I lost fucking 50 kilos in four months. Like, I, 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 when I want to go all in on something and I want to go for it, I will go for it 100%, but I, it's balance that I find really hard and that's something that I need to work on, something I need to find a way because, you know, I, I, we're planning to have kids over the next few years and stuff and balance is something that I definitely need to work on mm. 100%. So that, that, that's sort of my biggest challenge at the moment, to be honest with you, because I'm so, so focused on being the best rugby league personally I can and I've probably got little bit of a chip on my shoulder because I haven't played the game before. So I know that I have to work harder than what other guys would uh, and I'm willing to do that. But then it's balancing out my life and all that, which is where, once again, my girlfriend is just the best person in the world because I'm nowhere near the partner that I should be. But she understands that and understands what I'm doing and the direction I'm going in. But do you foresee... Like, the, like you can look at life like, like, any, like any like sport, whatever, like seasons. You You... You've been in the build phase for the last few years. It seems from the outside looking in, obviously I'm sure you're not content, but you're kind of getting to that point. You're somewhat established. You've got a good following. Do you have plans to like implement systems or bring other people on board to support you over the next couple of years? Like, How do you get from where you are today to the guru vision for five years down the line? Yeah, I, I personally think that I... Not I've taken it as far as I, as I can, but I think I'm at a point where I need to bring other people in with fresh ideas, with new ways to approach social media. Um, a big thing that I and man, I'm not like I'm not doing guru to make a million bucks. I'm doing guru because it's my passion. I love getting up every day and doing it, and that's where if people can bring me the skill set that I need to lift guru, I'm keen to pay for them to come mm-hmm. in and do it and be a part of it and enjoy what it is that I do and what we can do so i definitely think like as far as like social media and everything mate i like before i started this whole thing i like i was hardly ever on social media i hardly use the thing now it's my entire life essentially it's my entire life and i will you know my instagram account has got guru and my personal like the amount of things i just miss out in my mate's life that are on their personal that i just don't see because i'm so consumed i'll jump on my personal every two weeks and i'll say he had a baby. He's he's, mm-hmm. he's engaged. Well, they're divorced. Like catching up on all that stuff that before would have just been a day to day thing. And it's almost like I, I I almost find at times going on my personal is just you know almost boring sometimes compared to the hustle and bustle of social media that I've got with Guru, where there's hundreds of opinions flooding in every day and everything going on, and people asking questions and everything. It's uh it's a it's a weird sort of spot to be. That's when you know you're doing the right thing, though. Yeah. You're like, you've yeah. found your, your fucking 100%. calling. You've yeah. found what you're meant to be doing. Like, I, I talk about this a, a bit, like finding your icky guy. Do you know what the icky guy No. You found it. I'll, fucking, I'll, t- I'll send you something, what, what it's about. Essentially, uh, icky guy, it's loosely based, like, off the Japanese concept of purpose. But it's like, what are you good at? What do you love? What does the world need? What can you, you be paid for? Yeah. You fucking found that, yeah. that groove for yourself uh, 100%. Now... We spoke about. I want. I want to talk about some couple last questions before we get into uh, the the footy stuff for the people that uh, want a warning for that. But you mentioned that um, social media is extremely important to you. Obviously, 
to start a podcast without fucking promoting it through social media, Instagram, TikTok, all that sort of stuff is crazy. But are you doing all the editing, all the social media graphics yourself or how are you managing all that at the moment? It's always been me. I've never, I've never really had anyone that's helped me with it at any point. Um, and I think part of that is also, I don't know if you'd call it a downfall, but I just, I feel like I know what guru is inside out that I, I find it hard to trust other people with doing and like, like, you know, like I'll put out 45 posts a week and you know if I was to give one post to someone else and I thought that one wasn't up to the standard that I would want it to be at, for me, I would consider that like a failure on what I do in reality. doesn't matter. Would you notice? Not a hope in hell. No way. But, for me, that sort of stuff means a lot. Making sure that that consistency is the same every single day, that every single post is at the standard that I want it to be at. Um, and I think it's something that if you're bringing people on, I think it's something that I've learned that from watching other people in business and everything, you probably you can't expect other people to have that much passion. Oh, you can't. There's no way. It's just not. Like, you want them to. You can pay them as much as you want. But guru is never going to mean more to anyone it is to me and that's just the reality of it it's about finding the right people to bring on which is hard like like you and i I think more and more you're starting to see good people that are good at social media and content creation i still think they're undervalued but they're becoming so much more valued and 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 it's that's the the piece that's relatable as well to fucking business to whatever it may be like it gets to a point that you're always, if, if you're the one doing everything and it's in your vision, it's always going to be in your eyes the best, right? But you're gonna, it's going to get to a point, you're going to have to make a decision. Do I want to have my full creative control over this whole process? Or do I want to feel a little bit uncomfortable for a month, two months, whatever, bed this new person in, and then have them be able to handle X, Y, Z things, the things that I probably least have to do that they can support me with. And then it's not only going to allow the channel to grow, but it's going to allow you, I'm sure you would enjoy actually talking about footy more than you are fucking graphic designing, all that sort of stuff. It's just part of the process. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just, I think it's, and I'm starting to realise now that it is going to be very important for me to bring other people on. Just trust other people with their skill set. So, yeah, for me, it's about finding the right person. Um, and yeah, I, I think I'm going to make some moves on that very soon. Yeah. I think, I think it's important. I, I've had to do the same thing. Like, cause I have so many things going on. Like the podcast is one of like five big projects I have in my life. If I wanted to control every word on everything and every caption, I just fucking, it, well, for me, I actually had to give that up, give up that desire to control everything from the start yeah. because it, w- it wouldn't have even happened. And to be honest with you, like this, this will sound weird to people, but it's something that I noticed when I walked in here. Um, that you've got your boys behind the cameras here and everything and you didn't double check if sound was good, you didn't double check if everything, you, you trust those boys mm. to do their job. I think that's something that I've got to work on as well. Oh, fuck, they know so much more than me. Yeah, and, and, that, and, and like the, the boys have that skill set yeah. and you've got to back that skill set. Yeah. Oh, we, we like, so Yui's been like had his own agency content creation for, for, for ages, but me and Joe, Joe had a tiny bit of experience with, with the podcast before we fucking learned this together, man. Yeah. We learnt this together. So, and that's the thing, like to find the right people. Joe, Joe, Joe was fucking messaging me for years trying to work with me. Like you, you, you'll find the right people when the time's right. Now, a couple of last questions before we get into some footage chat. Now, you've, done, you've been incredibly successful with what you've done with, with the Guru channel, podcast, YouTube, everything. 
Now, what would your advice be? Just is, is there any pieces of advice you would give to someone looking to at the start of their journey that want to get to where you are or a similar place? Just be prepared to work. Be like uh, I get people, you know, people will message me and say, oh, I found you last week. I think it's fantastic, you know, that you've popped up all of a sudden and it's always going to be the story. It's like people, and people say that to me all the time, like it's an overnight thing that's happened. People don't see the, like there was, there was two years where I worked part-time at teaching and I was doing Guru pretty much full-time. I might have made $3,000 from Guru across those two years. Um, and it was brutal. It's tough. Like living in Sydney when you're making a lot of money is tough. <laughs> in Sydney when you're making no money is fucking brutal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brutal. And people don't, you know, people don't see, even when I was teaching, people don't see that I would get to school an hour early and I'd sit in my car and make my post for the day. Um, all the other teachers go down to the coffee shop. I'd sit in the same chair I've sat in all day making content. I'd go home um, and I'd be up until 10 or 11 at night, every single night, making content, podcasting, all that sort of stuff. And people don't see that for two, three, four years until all of a sudden I'm on bloke in a bar and it's, oh, where'd he come from? Oh, nice to see you popped up. But that's, that's the reality of it and you've mm-hmm. just got to accept that. You've just got to accept that sometimes you're going to spend five hours making a piece of content, the first the first comment's going to be, this is shit. They, and, and you as a content creator sit there and go, jeez, I missed out on dinner with my missus tonight. I stayed at work late. I missed out on this show I wanted to watch. I missed out on this, 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 so that I could make this and that's the response I get. And you've just got to accept. People don't know. People don't care. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that process is so important because if you're one of the people that aren't 100% satisfied with where you are in life with what you're doing for work. Like I, I was the same. I was, I grew up in, in, in the Southwest suburbs. So near Liverpool, Preston, yep. suburb called Preston's. I was working in Chatswood. So I was two hours on the train. I get on the train seven, it fucking work all day, cold calling, hating it. 320 cold calls, three hours of on the, on the phone work. By the time I'm done, I'd, I don't want to fucking keep working because I've just had to do a job I hate all day. Then I catch a train home back for, for an hour and a half, two hours. We'd meet up and we'd be working from seven o'clock to midnight on the brand, on Happy Skin Co, which is now being able to create the life that I fucking get to live and I get to do all this cool shit. But no one sees the, you know, after work seven to midnight, the weekends are giving up. But if you put the work in and you be consistent, like it, it, it doesn't have to be five years for everyone. It can be a year, it can be two, two years, whatever, but it needs to start. You need to be able to... Give yourself enough time outside of work to work on the life you want because if you don't and if you're too tired by the time you get home or fucking there's all these dramas and you just want to switch off, put your feet up, watch Netflix, as much as that can be a comfort, you're going to have to wake up and go to that job you hate every day for the rest of your life if you don't do that. So putting in the work, man, it's such an important part. And I, you know, like I've got my my brother who's playing um, rugby league at the moment so I go out and watch his games every weekend and everything and um, – He's, he's just joined a new team over, over the last couple of weeks and I'm sort of saying to him, who's this kid who would who A, blah, blah, blah. He said to me, one of the guys in his team, I said, who's that? And he sort of went, oh, his name's blah, blah. He, um, he drives from Bathurst to come here. Not a great footballer, but three times a week he drives from Bathurst to Sydney and then back home three times a week and then on a Saturday morning he does the same thing, he drives home. And to me, I don't care if he's the least talented footballer there, that's the sort of kid that one on your brand that I'd want on my brand because he's willing to go that extra mile. 100%. He's got a fucking ticker. He knows what he wants and he's going to go after it. I don't care if you miss every tackle you fucking make. 
you've shown that you, that, that, that that kid screams to me is valuable. And and something you've spoken about before, I know, is consistency. Yep. How important has consistency been to get to where you are today? Very, it's mate, it's everything. It really is everything. It's you can't. I I very rarely have days off, very rarely, and I, I love what I do, so it's not that hard. But the consistency of replying to messages, the and you know, like um, super coach is a big thing for me. And, you know, I, I see other content creators that are like, don't send me a team with a player I've said don't pick. It's like that, that that's not that's not your role. Your, yeah. your role, you, you respond to everything. You, you're in a privileged spot to have people that respect what you say. To and these people aren't watching every single thing that you say. They've got jobs, they've got families, they've got all these things. You're in a privileged spot. Mm. Enjoy that. Embrace it. It's not going to be easy, but enjoy it and embrace it. Take it all on board. You know what I've seen? It's actually funny you say that. Like the I've read, like the bigger content creators in the space seem a lot more humble than some of the smaller ones that seem to be fucking really uh, arrogant yep. and self-righteous and entitled and like almost condescending. And to be honest with you, I think I was more like that when I was, before it got bigger too, because you always feel like you're trying to prove yourself. Got that chip on your shoulder. Got that chip on your shoulder. And that's where it comes back to, you post a video and it gets seven views. That eats away at you. And then you've got to try and lift yourself off the back of that. And I think that the answer is to just work harder. Whereas I think a lot of people try and be the loudest voice in the room instead. Mm, for sure. Now, I want to ask you, as, I, as I've said, a lot of people know anyone who's in rugby league in the content creation space, what you're famous for is knowing, knowing the rookies, knowing the up-and-comers. Now, I want to chat a little bit of footy um, before we wrap up because, like, as I said, not a lot of people know I'm really, I'm really passionate about sport. And I'll tell you when I realised this, man. I, when was the Olympics? Two years ago now? The Olympics was on? Yeah. I've always struggled with uh, work-life balance as well because I've, I've got so many goals and so many things I want to achieve. And, you know, business is, is my priority, making sure I can create the life that I want. But I remember, um, I think it was when all the lockdowns and were on and shit, so everyone was working from home anyway, and, and the Olympics were on and a lot of the good sports, the swimming was in the day and stuff. That's what I was really excited to watch. And I remember watching it, but feeling like guilty at the same time. Like there's two weeks where I'm nearly every day I'm watching sport instead of working because like... I feel like this, there's this perception that I'm, I've built up, like I'm this hard worker and I need to be doing that. And I felt like I'm a fraud by watching the sport. And I realized, okay, I had to separate myself from that for a second. And I thought, if I had all the money in the world that I never had to work again another day in my life, what would I be doing right now? I'd be fucking watching the Olympics. So why would I sacrifice what I would be doing anyway to work for the next five years to be in a position to, so I could do that then? So it was difficult for me, but realizing like, no, like this is, I work hard. I, I, I make sure I, I get what I need to done, but having your releases, having your things that you can, that you enjoy, that fucking make you feel good, that make you relax, forget about all the rest of the stresses is so fucking important. So I know a lot of people listen are in e-com like me, e-commerce, online business, and there's that real toxic hustle culture where like smash yourself, you know, six V's a day, 8am to fucking 2am. I think you've got to be able to work hard, but you want to fucking be able to balance it. And for me, it's sports. So that's something I only realized probably two years ago. So it's something that I've lent into and it's actually made me putting in all the hours I do in work more enjoyable because I know I have that, you know, half yeah. an hour on a weekend. To watch and as you said, like, like that release, like my ideal release is Saturday night with my mates at the pub watching the footy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I miss out on that a lot of the time now because I know that if I'm 
if I go to the pub with my mates for, on a Saturday, I'm going to miss up what of three games there, which means on a Sunday I've got to watch three games. It means that on a Sunday morning I can't get up and podcast and tell you what happened the night before and give my take on it. So, like, a lot of that, and that, that, that's, that's almost what I miss most about what my life used to be, that I would go to the pub every single Saturday and sit with the same three blokes. I probably have the same conversations I had last Saturday. But it's what I need. It's what I need every week, and that—that's probably the—that's probably my the thing that I miss the most by far. In a that's way. that's therapy for guys. Like girls, um, there was this little snapshot of a study or, or some some something I saw a few probably a couple of months ago now. But like, there's there was this thing like if a girls had to go, it was either if females had to go either a week or a month. I think it was a week without sharing like an emotion or a thought with it with a friend, they'd like lose it. And like guys don't ever fucking do that. Guys don't ever open up and share that. So have just hanging around with your mates, having a beer, watching whatever, whether it be a movie, fucking sport. That actually is for a lot of guys what they need to 100%. just feel 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 normal, you know. And I think like that's that's also the beauty of you know like I'm so lucky to be involved with like in a bar because that's what we do. That's what I do every Monday. I go in and I sit at a table with mates. I have some beers and we talk footy. Mm. And I, I'm very lucky that I get paid for that and that's my job. Um, and it is like, I, I've been doing a lot of work with um, Maddie the Waterboy, yeah. our producer. Like, people don't, people don't realise how important Maddie is to everything we do and how good he is at his job and how driven Maddie is as well, but how much he's also just a larrikin that you can <laughs> sit and watch footy with. Like, me, me and Maddie have, we, we, we did a show a few weeks ago. It went for two hours where we just sat there and we just spoke about our favourite jerseys of all time, you know? And it was, it was just a complete and utter dribble. Mm. But if, if that conversation started with the boys at the pub, you could get two hours out of that, yeah. sure. And we, we just do a lot of it on camera. And, and see, the thing is as well, not like, we're not... Like, it's at the end of the day, it's sports. And if you're not a sports person, I don't think you understand, but I'm sure you would have got messages from people saying, dude, I've been so fucking down or I've been so stressed or whatever. How they're just talking, doing what you do would have a positive impact on so many people's lives. Do you have any examples of like, has anyone messaged you saying you saved my marriage, helped with this? Like, I'm sure there would be. Yeah, yeah, no, there's been a lot. And there's been a lot of, especially during COVID. Mm. Um, COVID was like, an awful time, awful. And I, you know, I, especially when I was in teaching and like I'm, you're starting to see the effect of COVID now and a lot of kids are in primary school that are now in high school that they, they missed out on two years of socialising. Right. They were given two years to sit in their room and they, they lost so much, so many skill sets. Like it's, I, I don't think people realise the impact that's having yet unless you've been personally impacted by it. Um I, sorry, I got completely distracted. Then I forgot. Yeah, no, that's all right. Let's go back. I wanted to talk to you about footy, but I just love talking about all this fucking yeah, no, journey sorry. stuff. But on that, I was I wanted to ask you about the rookies. But on that, the COVID stuff, that's also had a, an impact on like the, the juniors coming through, like the young halves and stuff, right? And this is something I've been trying to push for two years that these guys they missed out on these very important years where you grow a lot of maturity, even just being in the gym those two years, all these sort of things, and you know, there's freaks that it hasn't impacted. Sam Walker, mm-hmm. can you imagine if, like what Sam Walker's doing? If he would have, if he would have played footy when he was 17, 18, those key development years, imagine where he would be now. Like, 
it's unbelievable what him and some of these other young kids have managed to do. But then there's a lot of young kids that I see copping a lot of grief that you go, they're two years behind in their development. They're two, And you don't notice it because they're just those guys and they're coming in. But if you were to compare their maturity and their experiences to guys that were doing this two years ago, that were coming in, that had had that, like all that development coming through, like they're, they're, these kids that are coming through junior grades, they get so much information put on them. And it's just what you're able to grab and keep a hold of. Whereas these guys coming to first grade now, they, they, they missed out on so much of that. So much of it. And like my brother was the same. He was in the Harold Matthews halfway through their season. Just got cut. Completely cut. Um, and like it had a huge impact on them. When they went back the year after, they, they just weren't ready for it. They were not ready for it. And you have to be a very driven 16, 17, 18-year-old to go to, to be training and to be developing yourself throughout all of that when you don't know when it's going to come back. Like... Um Paul Alamotti had a lot of hype start of last season. Wasn't quite ready this season. Um, Jack Howarth, who I've watched him come through, he should be an absolute superstar. Um, I watched him, you know, the trials last year was his, you know, people forget he, he goes out in that trial, he's got this hype around him. First time he's ever played against grown men. He struggled. He's now had a year down there in Melbourne. The Storm named a 26-man squad the other day. He's not in it. Blew my mind. Yeah, but but that is that that's uh, I would read that as he's probably lacking a bit of maturity and a bit of development. That if he wasn't in that situation, the Melbourne Storm would have drilled that into him over those two years. Like you talk about, you know, pre seasons and these training camps they do. All these kids have missed out on it. Mm. Who's some of the? Just a couple because I know you could probably list thirty. Who's a couple of the young kids that you think are going to have an impact this year? Um, this year, I think there's a couple of the Roosters. Egan Butcher, who's a mm. local guy. He's the younger brother of Nat Butcher. Um, I remember watching him play for South Eastern when he was 13, 14. And um, I've always said, oh, I think he'll, he'll be um, the better Butcher. He, he's one to, I think he, he will be a real star. There's a kid coming off the bench for the Roosters, Josh Wong. He could be a prodigy. Um, and I love this kid that the Dolphins have signed, this Isaiah Katoa. I think he's he the half, yeah, five eight or something. He could be a real, real game changer. I know, like he, he was at the Penrith system, and you know when he was playing, there, there was managers flying from all over the place to watch this kid. So, as much as the Dolphins haven't got their superstar, the next generation of kids they've got, like if, if they can just build culture for the next three or four years. That next group of kids that's going to come up, like they they could be a powerhouse over the next few years. Yeah, uh, I think the NRL's done them a bit dirty with the way how much time they had to 100%. recruit. Like they've made it very look, hard. Look at round one. Look at the Roosters squad versus the Dolphins squad. Yeah, that's fucking men against boys. No disrespect, but look at the amount of stars and just fucking freaks yep. in that Rooster side versus those Dolphins. But this is where the beauty of rugby league. All the freaks are with the Roosters. Everyone's got two arms and two legs, mm. and those boys, like those Dolphins boys, they're 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 not showing up this year to make numbers. They've yeah. got Wayne Bennett in their corner, and I, I, I don't think they're going to be a great team. But fuck, I'm excited to see what Wayne can do with these guys. Because I mean, if you would have gone back to the end of 2020 before the Origin series and look at our team and go, like, all these Nathan Cleary, all the we've got all the freaks, mm. Wayne Bennett. Put our pants down there. Yeah, That's what he does. A, a lot of people are tipping him for the spoon. If you look at their squad, I'd probably have to agree, but I, I wouldn't be confident on, on backing that. No, I, w- I wouldn't be confident at all. I mean, on paper, everything says they should. 
I, I just don't think Wayne will find himself in that situation. I don't think so. Just on emotion alone and experience, I don't think I don't think they'll be that bad. And that's coming from someone who's been like a doggies fan down the bottom of the ladder for the last few years. I know I know what a side um, destined for the spoon looks like a little bit too much right now. Um, but what do you reckon? Do you have an early feeling for Premiership to me? It's Roosters or Penrith from from here. But what do you think? No, I'm exactly the same, mate. I think Chooks or Penrith. I personally. I hope Penrith win it. I, I love watching what they're building there. I love how, I think for the last 20 years in rugby league, everyone's tried to be Melbourne. Penrith have been Penrith from day one. Penrith have just been their own brand, their own personalities. And I think that, I think credit to Ivan Cleary that I think a lot of, and as I said, everyone tries to be Melbourne. Every coach tries to coach the team they want instead of the team they have. Mm. Ivan has coached the team that he has. They've had guys leave left, right and centre, new guys in the new positions. Nothing's changed. He has built a culture there that I'm seeing it every weekend. It flows down to the under-16s. Well, didn't they win the every grand final last year? I think they. I think it was only the Harold Matthews. They okay. Didn't, so they went, and I, I, I think they actually won the minor premiership in that. They just lost a, a, anyway. They, they, they went SG ball. They went Jersey flag. They went New South Wales Cup. And this Isaiah Katoa that I spoke about, him and another kid that's gone to Melbourne, they were the halves for the SG ball that won the comp. They were then the halves for the Jersey flag that won the comp. Who, who went to Melbourne again? Uh, his name is Keegan Russell Smith. Okay. He's a handy little footballer. He hasn't got all the hype around him, mm. but he's good. But he like he's one that hasn't got the hype around him. The He went from... He, he kicked the goal on the sideline at the end of the SG ball game to win that grand final. Like They've just got ice in their veins and mm. the confidence that that whole system portrays. Is incredible. Like you, you, you could put that that Panthers Reggie team into first grade, and like I reckon they'd go close to making the eight. Well, the thing is, like because of the system, Penrith have obviously lost Kikau and Coruscant. Yep, two big losses. I'm not really too worried about them for some reason. It'll be different, but different can be scary. I mean, you got that team, and like I, I, I've said for the last three or four years, and I know people want to lay shit on him or whatever. Like I, I think. Nathan If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. could be one of the greatest we've ever seen. Yeah, if I was going to build a team right now and I could pick one player to build around, it'd have to be him. It'd be Nath, without a doubt. There is no doubt about it whatsoever. I was lucky enough to have him on the podcast last year and just, I think you, you learn a lot about people and you'd know this from the moments off mic with them. Like at one point, Nath, it, it, was, it was all via Zoom, right? So we, we spoke for about half an hour or so before we actually did the podcast and at one point it dropped out. And th- th- this was four weeks after he was the premiership winning Penrith Panthers captain who won the Clive Churchill medal. And, mate, he, he we were doing it via Zoom. He rang me straight. I was like, I'm so sorry, mate. I'm so sorry. I was like, like, why are you giving me the time of day? Why, why does it matter to you that much? And it's that he is – there is something special about Nath. Yeah. And he's, he's made his mistakes, TikTok, whatever the hell you want. He's had moments where 
at 23, he hasn't dominated the origin scene. Sure. But, I mean, you, you look at what he's achieved and then I think it's even more impressive to see what he's come so close to achieving. People always say, he has him on a Dally M. He's come second twice. Like, an incredible knock to come second twice out of three years. And last year he wasn't in the contention because he got... Um, two suspensions or whatever. Two suspensions, so that ruled him out. But, like, and you think about the Dally M's that he's missed out on. He lost to Jack Whiten, which everyone sort of went, how did Jack Whiten yeah, I didn't see it? that coming. And then he lost to Turbo, who had the single greatest individual season of all time. Anyone would have lost to Turbo ever. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I think, like... People say Nate's overrated. I think he's underrated. Well, now, in terms of Dalian this year, Coruscant and Kikau going, more on him. Fucking more on him. And chance. when he wins it, people say, oh, yeah, there's no one to take points off him. He's surrounded by stars. But people forget that three years ago, you go back and look at that team three years ago, none of them were playing rep football. They've all developed together. They've all come through. And people say they're arrogant, they're all this. If you go back and watch the interviews after the 2020 grand final when they, when they lost... There's a great interview with Jerome Luai. Stick a microphone in his mouth. He's at the most devastated moment of his life, essentially. I say, what are you feeling? And he, he just flat out says, this sucks. I hate this. But I'm going to bottle this up and we're going to come back bigger and better. And didn't they? Hasn't it? Like, he's backed it up. Like, and people say, oh, he's a silk. He carries on. Which, like, I, I'm not here to tell you he's, mm-hmm. he doesn't carry on. But when it doesn't go his way, you can't sit there and say, he has a silk. He goes, no, fuck that. We'll come back bigger and better. Mm-hmm. And he has. And that was when he was a 21-year-old father. Yeah. And I think with anything in life, just owning who you are and fucking leaning into that and maximizing it, that's a superpower, bro. Oh, and he's one clear example of doing that. Yeah, him, him, Brian, Toto, like, they're changing the game. Mm-hmm. They are, and it's unreal. And, you know, it was, a, it was only a few years ago when they were walking around with the um, music blaring on their shoulders and everything, like, so much judgment. It's like, stop trying to be American, blah, blah. I'm not trying to be American. They're, they're being themselves. Yeah, that's that- who they are. And now it's cool because they're winning and it's okay now. But when, when that wasn't what Melbourne was doing, when that wasn't what the Storm was doing, it was not sweet for it, Ron. Mm. But now they're like, what, what they're creating out there at Penrith, I think it's incredible. It is, it is. And now, speaking of Penrith, let's get on to my Bulldogs because looking very much <laughs> like... Uh, if, it's exciting, man. It's, I'm, I have, I, I'm, 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 I'm cautiously optimistic because I was optimistic going into last year. Not as much. Barrett, Veseraldo, obviously very different style of coaches. Probably the roster, even though it still needs to do work now, on reflection, still had a lot of work to, to do in key areas. But I think fucking Gus Gould, what, what he's done, coming in first, making the tough decision, seeing people like Shop go. Yep. It's like you, you can question it because he's, he's a talent, but you got to see Gus as a bigger player there. Getting Serraldo, all these other fucking Penrith boys, Crichton now, kick out. I think Marnie from, from pinched him off uh, Joe's eels will be a fucking... Just in the trial, the first 20 minutes, he played how much better we looked oh, running mate. off that. Yeah. What's your thoughts on, on the future of the Bulldogs organisation? I'm not saying we're going to fight for top four, we're going to win the comp, but I think we got a shot to fight for the top eight and to go from where we've been, if we can be in and around competing for the top eight, I'll be fucking a very happy Bulldogs fan. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, I think this year's going to be, and I know we say it every year, but I genuinely think this will be the closest comp we've ever seen. If you just go through the ladder of where it finished last year, Souths, Melbourne Roosters, none of them made the top four. All of them underachieved. And if you have a look at the bottom eight, like Manly gets turbo back, they improve. Canterbury's improved out of sight. Tigers have improved out of sight. Titans have improved out of sight. Like there's, 
like I honestly think of the entire bottom eight, the only team that I think hasn't improved is the Dragons. Because they haven't signed anyone, they haven't, they haven't made any moves. And they still, in my opinion, you watch the Dragons every week, you go, they look awful. Then you look on the ladder and there's six teams below them every single week. Mm. Like, I think this competition this year is going to be so close. It's crazy. And you know, on average, over the last 30 years, two teams always drop out of the top eight. I don't know what's harder to work out which two teams drop out or which two teams come in. Yeah, that's why it's hard. Everyone's like, Doggy's going to make top four. I'm like, yeah, it's good to say from how much we've improved, but who's dropping out? That, that's <laughs> the thing. The and teams are and I, 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 I think Canterbury fans should be hesitant because I think you guys will improve out of sight. But if you don't make the eight, you just miss it. You've only moved up two places on the ladder, which doesn't feel like much. But I think culture-wise and everything, Massive. Canterbury are making big steps. As someone who's really into the content space, have you seen any of the stuff the Bulldogs have been oh, putting bro, out on you? How best. fucking good is it? I mentioned on Bloke in a Bar the other day and one of their content guys actually reached out to me and just said, thanks, we've been working so hard and just told me about some other things that are going on there. And, and I, I just, I think the clubs that are working out how important content is, yeah. Got it's it's exciting. Like everyone I speak to is he's buzzing. Like now we don't want to put too much pressure on them. It's a young squad. Cam Serrato's first fucking yep. crack at head coach. I'm willing to be patient. We've been shit for five years yep. plus. But the Bulldog, uh, the NRL, and I, I'll try to take my bias out of it. But I feel like for Sydney, for Western Sydney, the NRL is in a better place when the Bulldogs are a good side. There is no doubt about it whatsoever. You can hate Canterbury if you want. Don't act like rugby league isn't better mm. when Cam. There are certain teams in this competition that footy is better when they're going good. Newcastle's one. Canterbury's one. Unfortunately, Brisbane's one. Yep. I think the Rabbitohs are one too. Mm-hmm. Parramatta's right up there as well. So when those teams are going well, rugby league is going well. But I think Canterbury, the fan base they've got, mate, is just yeah. incredible. They are so passionate. And, like, I, and I, I can literally see it in my content. If it's a Canterbury day where something's happening... Sky high, and that's when you guys are going pretty bang average. Yeah, like once we like, I, I still, me and my old man, we went to every grand final from 03 to nineteen or something like that. Still to this day, the single loudest noise I've ever heard was the full time siren of a two thousand and four grand final. What a moment! Un- unbelievable. That Andrew Ryan ankle tap. Yeah, <sighs> goosebumps just thinking about it. And no one talks about it. No. No, it's one of the most unbelievable tackles you will ever see. Yeah. No one talks about it. But every Canterbury player I talked to, I had Brent Sherwin on the podcast, and I said, oh, sick. What's, what's the moment? And he said that. Yeah. He said that was the moment. That sums up the Bulldogs. Yeah, I, I've been, I'm almost 30 now. I've been a Dogs fan my whole life. If I, if I had to pick one moment, it's that. that. Yep. So it'd be good to see us back competing. Um, last couple of questions, we'll fucking wrap this up. I could talk to you about footy all day. Now, we, we, we've spoken a little bit before we started as well about Supercoach and, and how it started with that. It's no fucking surprise that your content, the people that get into fantasy sports are so fucking into it. It's become so addictive for me while I like it. It, it kind of fuses my two biggest interests, like business, like in a way like you got to do your analysis, manage a cart, blah, 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 and sport. Why do you, what is it about, about Supercoach, about these fantasy sports that are so addictive, do you think? I'm not sure, to be honest with you, but it's got me hooked. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. I, I don't have a team I go for, but like... My draft team, which is has way too much importance in my <laughs> life week to week because it's all my banter with the boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't follow a team, but I, I will follow my super coach players religiously. I've got first pick this year. Oh, you so do? So I know I've got Nathan Cleary. Yeah. So as I said, I'm very much on the Penrith train this year. I yeah. need them to do well. 
Um, and I absolutely love Nath, so I'm so excited about it this year. I don't know what it is, mate. Mm. I don't know how to explain it to people, but it I'm obsessed with it. I really am. Dude, fuck. Obviously, the doggies haven't been going that well, but the last few years... If I had a game on, not Bulldogs, but I had like four or five players in it, I'm way more fucking keen to watch that than watching my team. And I, I think the NRL still sleeps on that. Oh, fucking missing a massive opportunity. All you have to do is look out the window at sports around the world and see how important fantasy football, mm. soccer, whatever the hell it is. I, I think the NRL is... And I'm, that's, that's also part of my thinking that eventually when the NRL wakes up and realises that, if I'm at the front of that, it's a good spot to be. Fucking oath. And like... I think it's massive opportunity. Little known fact, I actually ranked 776 last year. So oh, okay. lovely. Mate, I'm, not, I'm no slouch, mate. <laughs> I'm no slouch. I'm coming for you. Now, last question. Big one. Serious one. Who's going to finish with a better rank, you or Timmy Williams this year? Oh, please. Timmy's a protector. <laughs> got him covered. Absolutely got him covered. Uh, but like, uh, I think like people will message me and go, oh, I know you guys just, just put it on for the show. He's one of my mates. I want to beat him in everything. Yeah, I'm fuck doing. yeah. He's exactly the same, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 working with Timmy on that Supercoach show has been unreal. We, it's we fun. Really enjoyed that. I think it's it's easily like I don't have that much time to watch all the shows like I used to, but somehow beers and break evens compared to the other maybe solo Supercoach shows, it somehow covers the best information, but it's still really entertaining and digestible. Yeah. No. I think you've got some fucking secret magic there now. As you can see, we've got on the cameras your your guru merch. You've got some stuff on your site. Where's the best place anyone wants to find you? Your content, podcast, your gear. Where's the best place for people to find you? Yeah, uh, probably put most of my stuff on um, Instagram at Rugby League Guru, Twitter, TikTok. Um, YouTube's a big thing for me this year. I'm putting a lot of effort into that, producing a lot of content there. Um, and yeah, I've got rugbyleagueguru.com.au for all of our merch and everything there. We're going to have a bit more stuff coming over the next uh, couple of months too. So. Yeah, and dude, the branding's fucking sick. It's clean. It's, it's exactly what you said. It's like pays homage to the old, but it's fucking really clean and really cool still with today's stuff. So uh, excited to watch you grow that. If you ever fucking want to bounce any e-com stuff for your business, any of the product stuff, my DM's always open for you, bro. But thanks again. You've given us so much of your time. I know you're fucking one of the – honestly, for people that might not know, one of the – one of the biggest, best sports channels in all of Australia, without a doubt, as I said. I fucking watch your stuff as much as I get time for. So thanks again, bro. We'll be in touch and uh, good luck for the season, eh? Thank you, mate. Appreciate Cheers, it. bro. Hope the doggies. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> you, he's a doggies fan as well. It's been, it's been a very, very lean period. Um, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.